<laughs> Boy, that makes you think, doesn't it, huh? <laughs> how many of you want to be the boss of your life? You know, it's a, isn't it funny how we are? We, we say, oh, Lord, come, take over my life, and, and I'll do whatever you ask. And he says, okay, how about this? Well, no, that's not on my list, but maybe later. Can we do this first? It's so typical of us. And uh, it's not that God wants to ask us to do stuff we don't like. It's that He wants to engage us in meaningful life change. And He wants to enlighten us. He wants us to have a deeper understanding in our lives of who He is and what we are called to do than we could ever gain in and of ourselves. That's why He works with us through His Spirit. That's what Timothy is all about. If, if you are a guest or new to Timberline in the last few weeks, we just are in a series. We'll wrap it up next weekend. I've so appreciated Dick Foth and his thoughts these last couple of weekends. And, and we're talking about this guy, Tim. What about Tim? We've called the series. And what we've done is we've, we've recognized that Timothy, one of the overriding umbrella traits of his life is excellence. And so we have taken each weekend, we've taken one trait that he did with excellence. Now, I'm, I've got to tell you, this one's a little bit of a challenge for me because it's excellence in understanding. Excellence in understanding. Discernment with knowledge. How do you talk about that? What can we do today to increase our ability to understand life, to understand God, to understand one another? Um, I think it's a challenging topic. And so I'm, I'm going to stretch you a little bit. Today. I'm going to ask you to work hard with me in your mind. How many of you are fully present? Okay. Just want to make sure if someone's dozing off next to you, just go like that or something. Because this is a thinking time. And it's a stretching time. And I'm, I want you to know I'm in this with you. Because I want us to learn how to improve our understanding of who God is and why we are on this earth to do what He's called us to do. And that involves change, and that's never uh, easy. Have you ever heard the phrase, or have you ever said of someone, they're really a good thinker? What, what does that mean? It, it typically has to do with their ability to decipher truth, their ability to process data, their ability to engage in a variety of patterns of thinking. They're a good thinker. Usually being a good thinker means you're also a good listener. If, if I was to say, hey, understanding will help us in life, let me give you some examples and, and some tangible ways. Would it make your life easier if you could understand your automobile better? How many of you understand how an automobile works pretty well? Just wave at me. Okay, a few of you do. You've got that down. How many of you, it's just, I know the key goes in here and I push on this pedal and go, I go places. Okay, see, yeah. So when there's a problem... It's going to cost you more to fix it if it's something small than someone who has greater understanding even about an automobile, even if it's something simple. How about, how many of you have jumped into the technology of Facebook or MySpace? Or how many of you, it would help you if you had better understanding of how that worked? Okay, a few, a few of you. How to reject people with, without them knowing, you know, or, or whatever. I don't know what that... Um, how, how many of you would help you if you could understand, if you're married today, if you could understand your spouse a little bit better? You better raise your hand to that. That, that close friend. 
Your children. Have you ever, you know, if you've, if you've been blessed to have kids, have you ever just looked at one of them or all of them at different times and thought, oh, dear God, just give me some understanding of this child. Understanding. What does it do? You think about that boss or that coworker. Why, what makes them think like that? Why did they say that? Why would they do that? That neighbor. Then if you move away from people, how about understanding with things like illness? See, some of you in medical world, you, you can diagnose stuff. You know, you have understanding. You know about certain things that will keep you well when others may not know. But what about disease? What about when when your faith is challenged because you're going through something you don't understand where God is. A physical battle. And you say, I need understanding, God. Why, why would I have to go through this? What, a, what am I supposed to learn here? Or financially, so many of you, might not, right now you're work, looking for work or you're struggling through a change and it's hard and it's difficult. And you say, God, just if I could have some understanding of, of why. I hope you come to the same conclusion that I do that Understanding can help us move forward in our lives. That's why I want to talk about it today. Now, in your outline uh, of your bulletin there, as a matter of fact, last night I had someone say, I turned the bulletin over and I knew you were back by all the blanks. <laughs> so, so here we go, okay? Write them down. It'll, it'll keep you with me a little bit. Three main points and then some, some fill-ins along the way. But number one is this. If I want excellence in understanding, I must learn to prioritize my knowledge. I know that sounds kind of odd, but I want to explain it. Prioritizing my knowledge, because we all know stuff, but some of what you know is more important than other stuff you know. I'll show you what I mean. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, this is Paul writing to his his young friend, Timothy, he calls him my son. It's not his physical son, but he's his son in the Lord. He's mentored him, released him. Timothy's leading the church here. First Timothy 1.3 When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to, notice these words, meaningless speculations. And the next four words especially. Which don't help people. Much of our talk, God forbid that our talk in church or life or about God, would be talk that doesn't help anyone. Which don't help people live a life of faith in God. See, you have a choice with your knowledge. We all do. And it's imperative that we get this right. It's kind of like, I don't know, the chef shows are really becoming popular now. Um, how many of you like to cook and you kind of watch some of those chef shows once in a while? One of the things that you're going to see is that a good chef has a nice set of knives. Anyone have a nice set of knives on the counter? Just, yeah. And what's the key about those knives? That they need to be really what? Sharp. They need to be really sharp because a good chef needs a sharp knife to do what they need to do to make a beautiful meal. It makes it easier for them. However, the problem with a really sharp knife is that you can 
cut yourself very easily if you're a chef like me. So, so you have to be very careful. See, knowledge is much like that. Those knives can be used to prepare a beautiful meal for someone that helps meet a need in their life. Knowledge can be used to set the table for someone, to meet a need, to help enlighten them, to encourage them forward, to teach them the good things of God. Or knowledge can also be used to cut someone open and flay them alive and and demean them and put them in their place and cause them to be insecure. Knowledge is like that. That's why it's important for us to prioritize the use of our knowledge. We are in a culture, and I'm pro-education, but man, we are in a culture that is so hungry for knowledge that I'm scared what is happening at so many levels. Have you, have you ever, just be honest with me, how many of you have met someone that actually is educated beyond their level of intelligence? It just, it's just scary because... If you don't have the understanding that goes with that knowledge or that education, then it's, it's going to kill people. You're going to use it to pound people. And in church life, what happens so often is that, that people love learning and knowing and they get the theology words and, man, they go out there and they just start going after it. And, and that's why the Pharisees and religious leaders and teachers confused other people. And when Jesus came, He basically made it simple. And, and simple is not as, quote, profound unless you're God. And then there's huge complexity in simplicity. Right? Making it simple is complex. But Jesus did that. So we prioritize our knowledge. We make certain that our discussions can be valued at every level. We can do that when we have excellence in understanding and we know the why. Number two, and we'll build on that. Number two is, I must learn to develop this excellence in understanding. I must learn to develop it. So we get into the stage now where we say, okay, if we agree understanding is necessary and we want it, then how is it going to happen? Um, the, The word I'm using here, develop, means to me that this is going to happen over time. You you are probably, it's unlikely anyway, that you're going to go to bed tonight and wake up tomorrow and God has installed a new chip in your brain that gives you full understanding of something you've never known before. Now, through the Holy Spirit, God can give us moments of revelation and truth and nuggets of truth. I believe that with all of my heart through spiritual gifts and empowerment. However... Typically, our understanding, the use of knowledge, our wisdom, our discernment comes from a development over time. It comes from experiences in our life. Now, Paul is about to say something to Timothy that I'm going to break down into three things. If you notice in your outline there, there are three things said in verse 5 that I've broken out of verse 5. Here they are. Let me read verse 5. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love. You guys, if you underline in your Bible, underline that. Because filled with love is where it all starts. No matter what you know, love trumps it. Filled with love that comes from. Okay, that's important. Love that comes from. There are three things here. A pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. What are those? 
Okay, think with me through what these are. This will help us. Let's just let's just make a mental note here of a couple of things. Um, three things produce healthy love and understanding, and and I want to just talk about those three things in your notes. I, if I was to do a whole sermon, which I could easily on these three points, I would probably call it the me disease, because you can't have any of these three things if you're if you're hung up on good old number one. And, and would you agree with me? This culture we live in pushes everything toward taking care of number one. Our lives typically revolve around us. From the time we get up to the time we choose to go to bed, from what we put in our bodies to what we order to, to the friends we have, it's, it's about what we want, our space, how we want it to be, how we want it. We set the temperature. We get what we want. And so these things are contrary. Understanding, excellence in understanding means I will push on those borders. And I will go deeper than just what I want it to look like. And that's a challenge. Here we go. Let's look at those three things. A pure heart. Put the word motive. Motive. When Paul says a pure heart, he uses this word pure, which talks about a heart that has been cleansed by God cleansed by God it's it's a motive it's not so much the what we do though that is it's very important it's the why are you doing it peace when we work from a pure heart our motives can be checked off by God he sees the 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 heart motive and he knows why we're doing what we're doing it's not just about what we are doing as, quote, followers of Jesus. Though that's important, it's the why we are doing what we are doing. That's the pure heart side. Then he moves to the clear conscience. The second thing there, a clear conscience. Write the word introspection. Introspection. This word he uses, when he uses the word clear, it means untainted. Completely untainted. It would be like if we took two cans of white paint and, and we opened them up and we were looking at them and we dropped a, a black drop in one of the cans and stirred it around. How many of you know, if you've painted at all, you know you can stir that around and never see the black dot. And it just, it just looks white. You can do that over and over and over a lot of times. But until you put the two together and compare them, you never really notice that it's not white anymore. Clear conscience, untainted, no drops left to judge you. That's what this is talking about. So knowing that, let me ask you a question. Does a clear conscience, does an untainted conscience help you excel in your understanding and your discernment? If so, why and how? Think, just think about that for a minute. How would a clear conscience help you have greater understanding? How could it help you? I've thought a lot about this, and, and the, it's challenging because I personally really do believe that without a clear conscience, I will always be pulled back to a place of comparing where I really am to what I know to be true, and that I'm not quite living it. It's very difficult to call someone to a high road that you know you are not walking on. And so my understanding becomes limited 
Because I'm not dealing with a clear conscience. See, that's why Paul had such clarity in his life. He knew Jesus Christ had forgiven him. And he did ministry with a clear conscience. His sins were wiped out. And he faced them no more. And he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Now that's hard to say when you have a guilty conscience. Because you know the truth about you. And what happens, and I, see, I think this is a big problem among people who are trying to follow the Lord is they have that habit, that tendency, that anger issue, that, that addiction thing that just keeps creeping up and they, they feel bad about it and they lose all their boldness because they have this kind of insecure place in their lives that I really God really probably wouldn't use me like that and I'm, I'm still working on this and I can't really get there. Well, who am I to say that? And, and all of a sudden, 90% of your energy in your walk with God is given to dealing with your own issues. And, and all your horsepower goes back to your mind and the war that goes on between where you are really and you know you're kind of tainted and there's not really the purity there and you're living that little bit of a lie, but it's maybe not enough of a lie to keep you from heaven and your opinion. And How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just me that deals with it. So that's why this clear conscience is very important. You need to understand today, Jesus Christ forgives sin fully and totally and you are clean. And when you put that under the blood of Christ, you can have the boldness of God to do the works of God. Do it with your whole heart and do it with a clear conscience. So important. It affects our self-talk and who we are and our image of who we are. Then genuine faith. Write the word action right there. Genuine faith. We typically know what faith is. We talk about it a lot. We've preached about it. But when he says genuine faith, he puts that little adjective in there, which means non-hypocritical. It's a, it's an authentic faith. It's, it's like if you go and you buy something that was produced in America, and you look at the back or the label under it, and it says made in China, and you just thought it was produced in America or whatever. Not that it's bad to be made in China, but it's the idea that you didn't get what you thought you were getting. Has that ever happened to you? You're thinking, well, I thought this was that. No, it wasn't authentic. And, and that's a huge issue. And so we become the people of God who, if we lose that authentic label, if we lose that genuine made-by-God label, then we become a person whose faith is tainted and our understanding is less than it might be. So that we will try to do good works by doing and living out our faith rather than becoming a person of faith. You still with me? Okay, let me give you an example. Let's say you see someone that's having trouble walking and they're getting ready to go through a door so you realize you could open the door for them and help them. How many of you think it's a good idea to help them by opening the door? Okay. Good. So you open the door. There's people around. You open the door. Help them out. Now, did you open the door because you saw the need to open the door? Or was there something in you that thought, I could make some points by opening the door? <laughs> you see the difference? Am, am I nice to a waiter or a waitress because I'm with someone and they need to see that I'm acting like a Christian? Or am I genuinely a nice person? And so I treat all people the same, even when they aren't nice back. You see the difference? We, we have to have genuine faith. 
so that we don't just quote, come together to be the church and let's go paint fences today to do the works of God. Though that's good. That's important. But am I a person who does the work of God because it's who I am? It's the authentic side of me. It's how I process. It's how I think. It's because of my understanding. And I've excelled in understanding who God is and He's empowered me to do those works based on a genuine, authentic faith in who God is in my life. I am tired of people who, quote, try to act like Christians. You can't act like a Christian. You are either godly or you are not. But those traits are honed over time. And as we embrace that, we pray to God, show us the way. Give us greater discernment. Help my understanding to be expanded. I really believe we need to pray that. Now, how are we going to do that? Let's go to number three. I must learn to have meaningful conversations. Meaningful conversations. Now, this is where it gets challenging for a lot of people. Because, you know, I'm okay with God, but just don't make me talk to anybody. Right? I really believe if you want excellence and understanding, you're going to have a lot of conversations with different people. Um, Let me just read this and then I'll I'll talk about it in a second. Verse 6. But some people have missed the whole point. They've turned away from these things and spent their time in meaningless discussions. Say there's a difference between meaningful discussions and meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about, even though they speak so confidently. We know that the law is good when used correctly. For the law was not intended for people who do what is right. It is for people who are lawless and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred, who defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother, commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral, who practice homosexuality, or are slave traders, or liars, or promise bakers, make, uh, breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching. That comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. See, Paul is writing this to Timothy because he wants him to understand that meaningful conversations change people's lives. Don't waste your conversations arguing over stuff that will not press them forward toward God. And I just, I'm challenged by this. I want you to be challenged by this as the people of God. Um, let me ask you a question. How many of you were raised? <laughs> How many of you uh, have not been raised yet? Okay. Now, it might seem silly, but the, the truth is, we've all been raised. Now, you may have a really sad childhood. I have a really great childhood, great memories. I don't know what your paradigm of thinking is or what the filters are, but you have them. Would you agree? Those, you were influenced at some point. You may have walked away from some of those influences, or you may have walked deeper into them. I don't know. But that's irrelevant. What matters is that you understand today you have a filter by which everything passes through. That's why Jesus was crucified on a cross. It was because His filters were not like ours. That's why He could go to the woman at the well who had had five husbands, who was a Samaritan woman at the well at the wrong time of day because the women didn't like her. And Jesus could talk to her. 
A Pharisee would never talk to her because that was culturally wrong. Jesus didn't filter. He knew there was a meaningful conversation possibility. Why? Because he had greater understanding of reality in truth. That's what sets us free from the law. Because it's been fulfilled. You and I can have the freedom in the Spirit to look and think and dream and have divine thoughts in our lives as we walk through our day. That's, that's what it's all about. That's why Jesus can look up at Zacchaeus in the tree and say, come down, I'm going to dinner with you. And all the religious people go, oh. Why is he doing that? Can you believe him? Who does he think he is? What is he? He didn't have that filter. Why? Because he understood the power of meaningful conversation in the realm of the Spirit. You and I need to expand our understanding from our own filters. I'm not talking about compromising truth. If you know me well, you'll know that. I'm not talking about giving up on absolutes in Scripture. But I'm talking about opening up our lives to deeper conversations than we've ever had before and letting it change us and impact us. Because we're not right about everything. I remember early in our marriage especially, it still happens sometimes, but I would come home and Bonnie would say, can we talk a little bit? <laughs> I would say, sure. Sit down on the couch. and <sighs> what, what would you like to talk about? Oh, I don't know, just your day. How was your day? And Oh yeah, my day was great. Really good day. How am I doing, honey? Not too good. Not, not too good. I probably wasn't that bad, but the truth is, sometimes, you know, it's like that, that old cliche of, I told you I loved you, and, and I'll, uh, don't expect me to say it again. If something changes, I'll tell you, you know? That's just not going to work. Why? Because my wife's filters are different than mine. I have learned a great deal from this lady God put in my life. Why? Because I was open to meaningful conversation that pushed the boundaries of my opinions. In great friendships, in accountability partnerships, through my life and through time, I've been able to step back and say, I don't feel, I don't think so, but man, you're making me think. I don't like this. It's uncomfortable. See, that's what God wants us to do in this culture. You know why sometimes we end up just fighting with people about God's stuff? is because we just move to the bottom line and we say, this is the truth. It's how it is. Turn or burn. And we're kind of happy if they say no because they deserve hell. Right? 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 Instead of, what do you think about that? What forms your opinions there? What is your filter? How were you raised? These are big questions, you guys, that will help us in life as we walk through. How many of you know I really need to hurry up? Let's just get done. (laughs) Observations about Timothy and spiritual health. Paul wraps up chapter 1. I'm just going to give you four things real fast, but let me read starting with verse 15. Paul makes a claim about why this God is so great. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. I love that about Paul. 
But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst of sinners. See, we're all in luck here today. Then others will realize that they also, they too, can believe in Him and receive eternal life. And then he sort of goes off in utopia preach world. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen One who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Amen. Four things that I want us to work on. Number one, work at being a peacemaker. See, don't associate your ability to confront people as being prophetic. That you're doing this in the name of God. There are times to confront, but for the most part, Jesus confronted the religious. He built relationship with sinners. Number two, do not get caught up in being proven right. You know, it's, <laughs> how many of you have had moments? You, we all have. You're driving along with someone, and uh, you get into discussion about a fact about something, and you're absolutely certain of it, and they, they think it's different, and ten minutes later you're proven right. And they say something like, get that smirk off of your face. It's, it's that smirk that I'm talking about right here. It's that, it's that little something in that moment that you go, oh, feels good to be right. I tried to tell them. If they would have just listened. I'm a walking encyclopedia. <laughs> if we could get rid of that, we'd change the world. Can we just be in neutral? Can we just let people talk? Can we just let them vent? Some people are angry at God. Would we just listen? Let's just journey with them. Because the Holy Spirit does a good job of revealing Himself to people. Number three, live under authority. Don't ever just assume you're the boss of everyone, especially yourself. I believe with all of my heart that submission breaks the back of pride. Submission breaks the back of pride. Even Jesus said, all authority is given to me by my Father. He didn't take it. It was given to Him. Let's be people who know how to submit to people who have authority over us. And lastly, number four, live with awareness and thoughtfulness. Live with awareness and thoughtfulness. As we do life one day at a time, where we walk, where we go, let's put the antennas up. To discern. Let's have greater understanding. Let's develop excellence in our understanding of things in this world, of godly things, of people, of their histories, of their families, of their lives. Let's have discernment and understanding. Pray with me, would you? Lord, thank you for your word. It's powerful. It changes us. It renews our mind. It cleanses us. It convicts us. Thank you, God, for your sweet conviction. I don't want to be the same today when I walk out of here as I was when I walked in. Holy Spirit, would you just speak truth to our lives right now, please? Thank you for finding those impactful moments today where you drilled something home to someone, even when it's not comfortable. Thank you for that. Thank you that you don't compromise, you don't hold back, but you do it in love. You correct in love. You confront in love. How many of you just would lift a hand to say, you know what, I'm... 
I'm really thinking about this. I need, my filters might be broken. I need to expand my understanding about things in life. Sometimes I'm just stubborn. I'm strong-willed. It's my opinion. And, you know, I just, I really need to step back and be better at that. Just hold a hand up. Let me pray over you. This is a, it's a powerful moment. Lord, you see our hands and you know what's going on in us. And sometimes when we just set our feet in that place of raw, it, it's, it sounds rebellious, but we don't see it that way sometimes. Forgive us. God, cleanse us. Show us how to be peacemakers. Show us without compromise how to journey with people to another level of discussion. Show us how to have meaningful discussions and not just to be proven right. Give us grace to do that well. For others of you in this room, it's just it's a me world. You've got a me disease. and Man, if it's not around you, you don't have an interest. And maybe you need to change your schedule in life to, to be around someone else for a while. To give your time and energy, your talents, your abilities to them and not yourself. If that's you, just right now say, God, cleanse me. You've given me gifts to use for others, not just me. Show me how to encourage. Show me how to spend time there. Show me how to use my gifts for the glory of God at every level in my life. Lord, for those that don't know you personally in this room, I just pray right now that they would say, Lord, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from the things I've done that are sinful, I ask you, I believe you died on that cross for me. Show me the way. In your mighty name we pray. Would you stand with me if you're able to, please? I want to have one last prayer before we go out of here. If our prayer team who is here would come and just prepare in both auditoriums right now, would you just come and be up here? You guys, these people would love to pray with you about any need you have. That's what they're here for. But I want to pray as we walk out of here today this. Lord, send us out with eyes that see and ears that hear that we might expand our understanding of all that is around us and be used as instruments for the glory of God. Lord, don't let us just leave this place, but send us from this place. Put your empowerment from your spirit on us and send us out to these places where there's so much to learn and so much to give and so many people to talk to. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great day.